The year was 2015. It was a fall day around dusk, and I was driving home going south on McMullen Booth Road. And in that moment, I thought to myself, you know, it would be so much better on myself and everyone around me if I drove my car off this road into a tree. And in that moment, I will never forget how I felt. You see, that day was a culmination of decisions that I made as a young 16-year-old. Day after day, I chose to give in to certain desires, to give in to certain temptations in my life. I was addicted to smoking weed. I did it every single day, multiple times a day, to the point where I was in such a low point in my life that I didn't feel like I was myself unless I was high. And I remember that day so vividly because I thought to myself, how did I get here? How did I get to the point where I thought it was better for me in the world for me to die? It wasn't one moment that I woke up and thought, man, I'm, I'm addicted, I'm depressed, and I'm hopeless. It was daily decisions that led me deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. You see, no one ever wakes up one day and thinks, I want to destroy my life. No one ever wakes up and says, you know what, I want to be overweight. No one ever wakes up and says, you know what, I want to get into a ton of debt and file for bankruptcy. No one wakes up one day and says, you know what, I want to be hooked on pornography and I want to ruin my marriage and I want to ruin my intimacy with my spouse. No one ever wakes up and decides to ruin their life. It is daily decisions that add up over time. And it gets us to the point where we put our hands on the sink, we look at ourselves in the mirror and think, how did I get here? And the answer to that question is one little thing, one small thing, and it's called temptation. And today, we are discussing what does God say about temptation? As followers of Jesus, what does the scripture say so that we don't have to live as a slave to our sin? So that's what we're going to be diving into today. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me, we're going to invite God into this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are right here in our midst, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would anoint my words, anoint my mind, anoint everything I'm about to say with your Holy Spirit. Let it fall on hearts ready to receive from you today. We thank you that the God of hope is in our midst. We give you the floor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I am an extremely healthy eater, but not by choice. Now, my wife Danica is a health nut, okay? So when we go to the grocery store, she's in the section with the organic, non-GMO, no processed foods. It's like double the amount of money of anything that I would actually get. You know, if it wasn't for her, I would be eating ramen noodles, cinnamon toast crunch, frozen chicken nuggets. Like that is what I would be eating. But thanks to her, she keeps me on track and, and helps me to eat this healthy food. And man, I'm, I'm thankful for that because I would not 
look the way I look right now if, if that was the case. But another thing in my life is I grew up eating a lot of fast food. I love fast food. I love Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, all that stuff. And to this day, I kid you not, every single day, I have to resist the temptation to pull into that drive-thru on my way home from work. I can just imagine myself pulling up to that window. They hand me that nice hot bag with the fresh French fries that are still steaming. You grab one, you eat it, then they hand you your cold, bubbly drink. Drink, and it's like a spiritual experience, man, when all that stuff comes together. There's nothing like it. You see, I had that temptation every single day. Now, I want us to be honest here in church, okay? I'm going to ask you guys a question. By show of hands, how many people in here have ever given into a temptation and then regretted it afterwards? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, if you look around the room, every person's hand is raised. You know what that means? You are not alone. And if you did not raise your hand, it means you just gave into the temptation of lying in church. So there's that. You see, every one of us have this universal human problem. It is called temptation. But you see, Jesus doesn't just leave us in our sin, in our flesh. He came down to save us from our sins. Yet temptation is still something that we face every single day, even as believers in him. You see, this thing called temptation has ruined lives for centuries. It has ruined families. It has destroyed relationships. So what do we do? How do we come against this thing? How do we live the way that God wants us to live when our desires so often go against God's word? Well, I think the first thing we need to look at is what does the Bible say about it? So we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. This is what Paul tells us. He says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. He says, be on your guard. That means put your hands up. Get your shield out. Get your sword out because you have to be ready. Matthew 26, 41, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, right? The Spirit is willing. We want to do the right thing. We want to follow God's law, but our flesh is weak. Our flesh wants what's contrary. So we constantly have this battle within us, spirit versus flesh. So Jesus says you need to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So why should we train? Why should we be ready? Why should we be on guard? Why does Jesus tell us to watch and pray? There's two main reasons, and the first one is this. The devil is coming for us. Okay, the devil is not just a little guy that stands on your shoulder with horns and a pitchfork and a little red tail. You see, he is real. He's a real being. The Bible says that his mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Bible tells us that he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is coming for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 2, 9 and 11 says this. I wrote to you so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. 
He has evil schemes that he wants to implement in yours, in your life, and in mine. He is studying you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows where you are vulnerable, and he will do anything to put those things in your face. So we have to be trained, be ready, and be on guard. The second reason we need to be trained and ready and be on guard is because we are not as strong as we think. We are not as strong as we think we are. Now, this point is for anybody in here who's thinking, man, you know, I don't really need this message, but I'm glad the person next to me is here because they need to hear about temptation because they're going through some stuff. This is for the person who thinks, man, you know, I wish this person was here today to hear this message, or you know what, I'm going to send it to them after service, because they, they really need to hear about this topic. You see, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, because Proverbs tells us that pride comes before the fall. You see, studies show us that people vastly overestimate their ability to resist temptation. We think we can resist more than we actually can. This is called the restraint bias. We think we can restrain ourselves more than we actually can. I'll give you an example of this. Before becoming a pastor, I worked in the insurance industry as an agent. I was selling Medicare and employee benefits, and I worked in a corporate office in downtown St. Pete, large insurance agency, and we had a lot of clients. So during the holidays, these people would send us all these goodie bags, all these gifts, these chocolate chip cookies and brownies and toffee and cake, and we knew that around the holidays, we would be going to that break room, and it would be filled with sweets, filled with temptation. And I remember every day walking into the break room like, all right, I see it there. I'm just going to grab some water. Okay, I'm going to go back. The second time, you know, I, I know it's there, but I'm just going to grab my lunch out of the fridge, and I'm not going to look. And then I'll go over on my way. I'm like, hold on, let me just let me see real quick what they got. Oh, they got those cookies, man. I remember those from last year. Those were, those were oh, they got the brownies too. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I walk back. The third time I go, you know what? I'm just going to grab some healthy snacks that my wife packed for me, you know, like lettuce and carrots and, and things like that. And I might have been able to resist the third time, but I can guarantee you by that fourth time, you could catch me back in my cubicle with chocolate stains all over my shirt because I was eating those chocolate chip cookies. You see, we can resist a few times, but eventually our willpower begins to drain and we give in. Why do we overestimate ourselves? Because resisting temptation takes a ton of energy. And the part of our brain that controls willpower actually begins to wear out the more that it is used. How many of you people work with crazy coworkers in here? Okay, if you're with your coworkers, put your hand down. You don't, you know... You know, I used to work with crazy people. I don't work with any crazy people now. All my coworkers are amazing and perfect in every way. Just got to tell you that, okay? But I used to work with some crazy people, and I know what it's like being in an office setting. And you get those passive-aggressive emails, and you get that water cooler talk, people talking bad about you, and you got people going to your boss and saying, you know, this person did this, da, 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 all the gossip that goes on. And we can be in our office every day and think, man, I got to bite my tongue. I can't say what I want to say. I can't send that email because I know what's going to happen. And we do such a good job fighting that temptation all day long. And then we get home, 
and our spouse says something and we blow up on them. Why? Because we use our willpower all day long and it got to a breaking point. I'll give you another example. Maybe you spend so much energy and time with your kids that day. They're driving you up a wall. You're just excited for bedtime because it's finally time to put them down and get some peace and quiet. You put them into bed and the first place you go is you open up that freezer and you grab that ice cream because our willpower begins to wear out as the day goes on. Self-control and willpower are limited resources. The more we use them, the less we have. And the devil is coming for us, and we are not as strong as we think. So today, we're in our training camp series, and we are going to learn through God's word how to train ourselves to be ready for whatever the enemy wants to throw our way. I want to give you a disclaimer before I get into today's message. This message is not to judge anybody. We all go through temptation, and I am the last person to stand up here and make anyone feel bad for what temptation they are facing. This message is not to judge you, but to inspire you that there is a hope for you, that Jesus loves you enough to not leave you the way he found you as a slave to sin, but he loves you enough to set you free. And I am thankful that Jesus didn't leave me the way he found me as a depressed and addicted teenager, but he gave me a hope, and he showed me that I don't have to live as a slave to my desires, but I can live as a slave to righteousness. You see, so many people live as a slave to their temptations, as a slave to a substance that they feel like they have to go to, or a slave to the desires of their flesh. But Jesus Christ has called us to be free. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Freedom is available today. And we are going to learn through God's word how to fight for freedom. So in your notes, three keys to fighting temptation. Three keys to fighting temptation. The first one is this. Move the line. Move the line. So I'm a youth pastor, so I have a lot of these cool little illustrations, okay? This is one of my favorite ones. We are going to learn how to move the line. So I'm going to put this line right here. And for the sake of our illustration, this side of the line, this is sin. This is doing the wrong thing. This is giving into temptations. This is doing what we know God does not want us to do, what he tells us in his word not to do for our own sake. This side of the line is righteousness. This is living according to God's word. This is doing the right thing. This is doing what God has called us to do. I want to ask you a question. What do so many of us Christians do? We walk right up to this line. We kind of tiptoe a little bit. Like, I'm not, I'm not in sin. I'm not crossing over. Oh, that was a close one. Almost, almost went over. We want to stand right here, right? I remember when I first met my wife, Danica, I was a new Christian, brand new, baby Christian, and, you know, I knew that God's word says to not have sex before you're married, but I thought, you know, but where's the line? Like, I'd, I'd ask my pastor, you know, like, pastor, I love this girl, man. Like, like where, where is that line? Can we get specific here? Like, can we hold hands? Can I, can I smell her hair? Like, where's that line at? 
You see, we want to tiptoe that line. I want to get as close to that line as I possibly can without going into sin, but that is dangerous. You see, we don't do this in any other area of our life. I want you to think about this for a moment. So I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I love it with all my heart, and I go to these competitions. And in a competition, I am fighting against another full-grown man who wants to put me to sleep or break my limbs, okay? So do you think I go to prepare for that fight? You know, what's the least amount of sleep that I can possibly get just to be awake enough to fight? What's the least amount of training I can do just so I get myself there? No. I think what's the most amount of sleep I get? How healthy can I eat? How much can I train so that I'm prepared for that battle? Give you another example. Say you're walking onto a plane. You have those pre-flight jitters. You get a little nervous. And as you're walking on, you hear the pilot say to the co-pilot, you know, today I just decided to put the least amount of fuel possible to get us to our destination. We have enough, but like, I just, I really wanted to see how close we could get. I don't know about you, but I'd be running off that plane. I don't want just the least amount available. Yet so many times we walk right up to that line. So today I want to encourage you to pre-decide today to move the line. Instead of walking up right to that line of sin, we're going to put this line over here, and we're going to stay on this side. So we don't have to worry about, oh, maybe I'm going to fall over. Maybe in a moment of weakness, I'm going to fall over because I'm so far removed that I don't have to worry about it, right? I'll give you some examples. How do we do this? Well, some of you might have the spiritual gift of overspending on Amazon, okay? I'm not naming any names. I know a few people. But for you, maybe in order to move that line, what you have to do is set up a limit for yourself of if I'm going to make a purchase over this amount, then I need to talk to my spouse or maybe a friend to get that go-ahead because I don't want to be in debt. Or maybe for you, you have the temptation where you spend about four hours a day on Instagram and Facebook. Now, I know all of our friends are very interesting, but no one is four hours a day interesting. Let me just tell you that, okay? So maybe in order to move that line, we set up a screen time limit on our phone or it only allows us 10 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day on certain devices. For me, I give my wife my password to my screen time. I get 10 minutes a day on Instagram and Facebook, and that's all I need. My life is a lot happier that way, okay? You know, maybe for you, maybe you have a temptation where you go out clubbing and you have a few drinks, and then before you know it, as the night goes on, you, you meet somebody and you go back and you hook up with them. You're thinking, man, what did I do? Why did I do this? How did I get to this point? Well, maybe for you, you have to move that line. I'm not going to go clubbing. Let's pre-decide today, wherever we are vulnerable, to move the line. Now, you may be thinking, you know, I know there's a few people in here, you know, Pastor Marcelo, you know, you're just so restrictive, man. Can't, can't you have any fun? Like, aren't you upset? You're just, you have all these boundaries in your life. Actually, creating barriers for myself is very freeing. I can know I can live my life in joy, in the favor of God, without having to worry about hurting myself and hurting the people that I love most. I love what David says about it in Psalm 16:6. He says, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. 
When you are living by the word of God and with Jesus, the boundary lines for you have fallen in pleasant places. And there is a beautiful and delightful inheritance for you. So we're gonna pre-decide to move the line, and the next thing we're gonna do is magnify the cost. Magnify the cost. What does this mean? All right, so every temptation that we are faced with has a risk that is involved with it, right? No matter what temptation it is, there is some risk involved. So what we are gonna do as followers of Jesus who do not want to give in, do not wanna live as a slave to that, we're gonna think, what is the worst thing that can possibly happen if I do X? What is the worst case scenario if I give in and this thing comes true? Let's name a few. Someone could get pregnant. You could lose the love, the trust of a loved one. You could lose your reputation that you worked your whole life to build. You could lose your job. It could cost you your marriage. It could compromise the relationship with your children. What is the worst case scenario if this thing happens? Now, this is one of the scariest verses in the whole Bible. And uh, when I was preparing for this message, me and Pastor Andrew read it together. We're like, wow. All right, so this is God's word, okay? So we're gonna go right now to Numbers 32, 23. It says this. You will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. You will be sinning against the Lord, and you will be sure that your sin will find you out. Not it might find you out, it may find you out. No, it says it will find you out because whatever is done in the darkness is eventually brought to the light. So in order to protect ourselves from hurting the ones we love and hurting ourselves, we in our mind are going to magnify the cost. What is the worst possible scenario if this thing comes true? Because the devil is going to attack he already knows where you're vulnerable, but when he does, we will be ready. So we're gonna move the line, we're gonna magnify the cost, and number three, we're gonna plan our escape. We're gonna plan our escape. We're gonna plan ahead of time. If I am in this situation, this is what I've already pre-decided to do. I'll give you an example of this. So before we hop into this story today, I just want to remind you, my wife Danica, um, she tells me that I'm a lot like Joseph, okay? So let's hop in. Genesis 39, 6 through 7. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. <laughs> and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. So a little context, Okay. Joseph is a slave in Egypt at this point. He's working in Potiphar's house, and the master's wife is coming on to him and saying, come and sleep with me. Now, in this moment, it would be so easy for Joseph to give in to this temptation. The house is empty. No one's around. No one's going to find out. You know, she's a good-looking woman. I'm young. I'm single. And, I mean, she came on to me, right? Like, she made the first move, so why wouldn't I? Or another reason he could give in so easily is he could blame God. God, my brother sold me into slavery. Like, you allowed that to happen. The reason I'm here in this, in this house in the first place is because you let this happen, so I got to do what I got to do at this point. It's your fault that I'm here in this situation. And so many times, we use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. 
we use our disappointments to justify our disobedience. Man, you know, my spouse just isn't meeting my needs, so I got to do what I got to do. Or, God, you, you allowed me to be in this spot in the first place, so I just got to live it up. But Joseph didn't do any of those things. He told her, no, I respect your husband, and most importantly, I respect and I fear God. Your husband trusts me. How could I sin against him, and how can I sin against God? He resisted. I want to ask you a question. You think after he resisted that there was no more temptations, the angels started singing, he got to polish his halo a little bit, everything was great, he never faced another temptation? No. Day after day after day, she began to hit on him, and day after day, he began to be worn down. And the same thing that she was doing to him is the same thing the devil wants to do to you and me. Day after day, he's trying to wear us down. And this is why we need to pre-plan our escape. Now, you might think, man, Joseph was so strong. He's a man of God. He can do this. Actually, Joseph wasn't particularly strong in any way, but he was ready. He was prepared. And he was smart enough to pre-plan his escape. And one day, the house is empty again. Potiphar's wife approaches him for the last time, and she grabs his cloak, and she's like, let's go. Genesis 39, 12, but he left his cloak in her hand, and he ran out of the house. You see, Joseph knew that if things go down, I'm pre-planning in my mind to decide I am going to run, and I'm getting out of this situation. You see, he left his coat in her hand. Because it's better to have a good name than a good coat. See, this coat that I'm wearing today, this is my favorite coat. This is the coat that I got when I got married to my wife, Danica. Uh, I had all my groomsmen rent a coat, so I got one for free, so that was nice. And uh, ever, since then, ever since then, I've worn this coat to many weddings that I've done. I've worn this coat to special events. This is by far my favorite coat. But if it came down to it, is this coat worth my marriage? Is this coat worth my reputation? It's my favorite coat. I, it's been with me for so long. But ask yourself this question. What is the coat to you? Ask yourself this. Is it worth your relationship with your kids? Is it worth your life? Is it worth a thriving relationship with your spouse? For me, I'm following what Joseph did. I'm leaving that coat behind me, and I'm following what God has called me to do no matter what it costs. I want to share with you some of the most encouraging verses in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Do you know what these verses are saying? Do you understand? God is faithful to you. And as a follower of Jesus, he promises you that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And in the moments where you are weak, in the moments where you are tempted, he promises, I will always provide a way out for you. You see, some people in here, you feel like you have given into this temptation for so long. You feel like there is no hope for you. You've tried to quit before. You've tried to do the right thing. And each time you failed, I'm here to tell you this today, that God is here 
for you, and he offers you a hope to say, you know what, son, daughter, I care about you enough that even when you are tempted, I will provide a way out, and I will make sure that you are never tempted beyond what you can bear. That is a good heavenly father who loves you enough to do that. There is hope for you. I'm going to share this experiment with you. I read an article about it this week. It was done by a Harvard scientist, and he did this experiment with these rats and this beacon of water. So he filled this beacon of water up, and he placed a rat inside the beacon. And what he was experimenting was to see how long can this rat tread water before he gives up and dies. So on average, he found out that these rats tread water for about 15 minutes before they were completely exhausted and done. So he found this out, and he said, you know, I'm going to do another experiment now. I'm going to put these rats in this water, and right at that 15-minute mark, when they're about to give up, I'm going to rescue them, I'm going to take them out, I'm going to dry them off, I'm going to give them some food, some water, give them a little bit of rest, and I'm going to put them back. Think to yourself, how long do you think those rats lasted the second time they were put in? Maybe another five minutes, you know, maybe another 10 Maybe even another 15. Maybe they doubled their time, you know. Maybe it was 30 minutes. But no, you know how long those rats tread water for? 60 hours. 60 hours they tread that water. Why? Ask yourself why. Because they knew last time I was in this situation, this guy brought me out and he saved me. Last time I felt like giving up, he brought me out and he saved me. I'm here to tell you today that some people here feel like they've been treading water. They feel like they've been giving into temptation over and over and over today. I'm telling you that God wants to bring you out of that water. He wants to dry you off. He wants to give you some food. He wants to give you some water because he promised is that he is faithful to you. Hope can do miracles. And the God of hope is here in this room today. There is hope for you. See, no one, mess, no one plans to mess up their life. No one plans to destroy their marriage or their family. But few people train not to. So be honest with yourself today. Where are you most vulnerable to attack? Only you can answer that. Where are you most vulnerable to attack? Maybe it's pride thinking, you know, I'm good. I don't, I don't need this. I'm, I'm a moral person. This is not for me. Pride comes before the fall. Maybe you've been justifying a sin because you're mad at God. God, you did this to me. Therefore, I have to do this now. Maybe for you, it's the temptation to lie or to gossip or to talk poorly about people behind their back because that's the way you were raised and that's what you're used to doing. Or maybe you feel like you're a slave to a substance like me when I was a teenager. Maybe it's something that you felt you've had for so long that at this point, it's like, what's the point? I'm just gonna live with it. Identify where you are vulnerable to attack and then ask yourself this, how will I train myself to put distance between myself and that thing. Who can I talk to? What can I do? Pre-plan your escape. Now, I want to be real open and honest and transparent with you guys today, and I hope it doesn't freak anybody out, but I made a promise to God, and I made a promise to my wife, Danica, 
that I will be faithful to her for the rest of our lives. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, no matter how difficult things are, I have made a promise to God and to her that I will be faithful to her. But I also know a lot of people who made the same promise, yet they weren't able to achieve that goal. I even know a lot of pastors and spiritual leaders who made that same promise, yet they weren't able to achieve that goal either. So I have to look myself in the mirror and be real honest with myself. What makes me think I'm any stronger than anybody else? I need to be honest about my temptation and say, you know what? I do not want that to happen to me. So I need to say, I am not above being tempted. So some things that I've been able to do is on my computer, on my phone, and on my iPad, they are completely transparent to my wife and to my best friend. I can't have private conversations with people. I can't, they have everything. Why? Because I want to be held accountable. I don't even want to give an opportunity for anything stupid to happen. Now, you may be thinking, man, Pastor Marcel, you are pathetic, man. You are so vulnerable. You are messed up, dude. Actually, no, I've got a very happy marriage. I love my wife. It's amazing. I'm very rarely tempted. But like every other person here in this room, there are moments where I am tempted. But why would I resist a temptation in the future if I have the power to eliminate it today? Why would I do that? Why would I resist it in the future if I can get rid of it right now? Now, you see, the devil is going to attack. We're not as strong as we think we are. So we're going to move the line. We're going to magnify the cost. And we're going to pre-plan our escape. Because when our values are clear, our decisions are easy. There are going to be days when you're tired, when you're overwhelmed, when you're angry, when you're discouraged, when you're depressed, when you're emotional. And in those moments, you will be more vulnerable. But your decisions won't be based on your emotions in the moment, but based on the values that God has placed on your heart. So commit everything to him and plan today how we are going to react. Now, we're going to go into one last song here. And in this song, I want to encourage you to release control to Jesus. Because he's here in this room by his Holy Spirit, acting and moving and doing a work in hearts today. I already talked to so many people. Seek the one who is faithful to you, who promises to never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, and who loves you enough to provide a way out no matter what temptation you face. Would you stand up as we worship in this last song?
That's so beautiful. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Nobody looking around. I know that some of you are here today and thinking, you know, I'd like to be in this place where God is making ways of escape from temptation, but, but there's a first step. And that first step is forgiveness. And that's something that God offers us through the life and death of his son, Jesus, freely for the asking. Forgiveness and new life. And if you're here today and you're like, wow, I just really needed to hear this today. I'm feeling so compelled. I believe that's the Holy Spirit that has arranged for you to be here. And so if you're in that place, you're like, I, I do, I want this forgiveness and this new life offered through Jesus. Pastor Tim, would you keep me in your prayers? And I wanna be included in your prayer. And if that's you today with nobody looking around, and I'm not gonna call you out or ask you to come out or anything like that, but if that's you today, when I count to three, just slip your hand up in the air. As soon as I see it, you can put it back down. One, two, three. Thank you, yes, I see your hand and yours. Thank you, thank you, I see your hands. Thank you. In the back, it's hard to see, but I do see your hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you, yes, I see your hand. Thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you. Father, I pray for all those who lifted their hands and I pray that you would answer this prayer. They would know your forgiveness and know your new life. Jesus' name. For the sake of all those that raise their hands, would you repeat this prayer after me? And if you're praying this prayer for the first time, meaning it sincerely in your heart, the Bible says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So he answers yes to this prayer. Would you repeat after me? Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I know I've done wrong, but you sent your son to die for me. Forgive me my sins and give me this new life. And this day, I make you, Lord Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? It's good in this place. So I'm going to say a blessing over you. This is a really good week to get a blessing. And after I say this blessing and dismiss you, we're gonna have altar prayer team members right up front here. If you'd like prayer for any reason, including if you raised your hand, pray that prayer for the first time, please come up and see one of these folks. We wanna pray with you. We have a free gift for you also. It's a book that will help you. So to receive your blessing today, would you just lift your hands, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving or open your heart before the Lord. Actually, I'm going to do it from over here on this side of the lines. <laughs> May you be blessed this week with safety for you, your family, those you love. May you be blessed with a way out in every temptation that comes your way. And may the Lord bless all of your generosity and your finances for when you give and when you have need. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. I love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.